The Jason Cabinets Experience is sponsored by Cabinets HR. Cabinets HR delivers HR to companies with 49 or fewer people across the United States with our platform that automates HR products and services while giving you access to a dedicated HR business partner for more complicated HR challenges. Small business loses an estimated $10,000 per employee per year because of unreliable HR. Small business owners are spending an average of 25% of the time on HR, time that would be better spent taking care of their people, their customers, and building their business. Cavernous HR saves small business owners time and money on, on their HR. Sign up at www.cavernousHR.com or email me at jasoncavernous at cavernousHR.com to learn more. Cavernous HR, focus on your business. We've got your HR. This is the Jason Cavernous Experience, hosted by Jason Cavernous. Join Jason as he talks to small business owners and startup founders and other interesting people as we gain great insights about business, people, leadership, HR, and how each guest strives to be great every day. Hello, and welcome to Jason Cavernous Experience. I'm your host, Jason Cavernous. Our guest today is Mr. Mike DeBoy. Mike, are you ready to be great today? Yes. Mike is an electrical engineer with design experience, product management, and leadership skills. He has worked in the building, space, and technology sectors. He has hosted and presented at many technical sessions and conferences. He is a technical, competent leader and able to get things done. Mike has a professional engineering license in the state of Washington, Oregon, Texas, Illinois, California, Missouri. His focus is on leading sustainable energy projects. He is a, a board member of several tech organizations. Mike, thank you for being here today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me. So, Mike, first, let's start about, talk about some of the fun. You're actually a, an avid runner, correct? Yeah, I was, but, you know. You Not know. anymore? Well, I got, I got the Woodby Island Marathon coming up next week, so. Oh, wow. <laughs> so how long have you been a runner? Uh, since fifth grade. And when I was in fifth grade, I was always wondering if I could do, if I could run two days in a row, that would be an accomplishment, so. <laughs> so what's the farthest you ever ran at one time? Probably 30 miles is the max, but I'm more of a marathon, half marathon's better, Okay, um, 10K, so. And so running since fifth grade, have you ever like taken a break from running or is this been constantly running? Well, in college, I kicked out a window and, and cut my Achilles, so I was out for a, one season on the cross country. Um, but before that, I was a, a MVP for my cross country team. Um, and then I took one year off and then came back and finished my four years at Florida Institute of Technology. Did you, did you have a scholarship for, for, for running? No. I, I was actually trying to get into the soccer program, but Florida Tech, they had all the foreigners and they were like okay. too good for me. So, okay. But um, I'm a runner, so I'm like, I run back and forth. Yeah. So I can really, you know, steal the ball and give it to somebody that can score. So, yeah. So, what, why do you like running so much? Um, well, one, to lose weight. Uh, and second, I like- Yeah, you don't see very many overweight runners, do you? <laughs> and second, I like the competition. Okay. So I'm always doing the 5K downtown Seattle, and I was chasing ponytails. Um, so that was my, my uh, incentive. You have like a, a training regimen you follow, or you just run and like do whatever? Okay, so I got to a point where I got, if I got too much running in, my knees would go. So I had, had arthroscopic surgery for both knees. So my doctor said, try um, swimming and biking. So I took up triathlons and, and um, basically don't get more than like 20 miles a weekend. Um, 
more power runs, more track runs. Uh, the Kenyans that win the Boston Marathon, which is this weekend, uh, they are, are sprinters. And, 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 and a lot of times the, the Kenyans, they first time ever running a marathon and they win it. So, so as far as running, you hear some people say like running is good for your knees. Other places is bad for your knees. What's well, your take? Well, um, so to a point, so there's a certain amount of mileage. Once you go over that, like a prof- not a professional runner, but somebody like me, it, it damages your, your thing. So uh, once again, you got to get the 30 minutes of pumping the blood. That's good for your knees. Um, there's other things, shoes, you can use orthotics. Um, you does can, the, does you the can surface do matter? Like if you run on concrete or grass okay. or whatever? So Bill Rogers, the four-time runner, um, winner of the Boston Marathon, he came on my program and he, he told me, do a lot of training through the woods where you actually get the muscles building, not just road training, but you're doing track through the road. I remember hearing that before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's, uh, so I took his advice and I, I do a lot of trail runnings. So that's that's good. What's the like the shortest amount you run? Like you go for like half mile, two miles. There's always like five okay. miles or more. So, so um, when I was in college doing cross country, they, we would always go to the track, which is a quarter mile. And every time I got there, I kind of felt like puking because I'm not a small <laughs> distance, but I know I had to perform against my my fellow um, teammates. And uh, so uh, track workouts is good. Like I mentioned, the the people that actually win these races are track uh, folks and. Typical um, run for me is like a four mile trail run. Um, I do a 15K, which is 9.3 miles. Um, That's a typical, get about three of those in a week. And does it matter what time of the day you run? You have a certain favorite time of the day? Like some people like early morning, some people night, late at night, what's your favorite time? Okay, so my my favorite time is just before (laughs) sunset, so. I mean, I'm, I'm like a procrastinator, so I, I wait to the last minute. In fact, I was going through the woods uh, yesterday. Uh, I had a light, but I try to make the darkness, try to get out of the woods before dark, because that's when the cougars and the bears come out. <laughs> so. Yeah, uh, and does a type of shoe matter when you run? So when I started at Florida Tech, um, I got I bought a pair of twelve dollars shoes to run in because I was poor college student. Um, some people say that it makes a difference. I've seen people. I've seen a barefoot guy ran in one of my races. Um, it depends on the foot. So I mean, I, I, in college they gave me orthotics and it was like bulky. I'm like I don't like these. Um, but I, I think um, you, you probably need minimal amount of cushion. Um, and you probably need to, especially the, the running stores tell me you need to update every thousand miles. Yeah, of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I, I try to push it right to the limit. If 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 if, if my knees are feeling good, which it's not now, um, I, I should update. So, so what, what's a, a race you ran in that you, like you really had a lot of fun at? Well, I always say Boston. Boston, because it's twenty six miles of fans, mm-hmm. and I, that, I got my PR there. And uh, what it is, is it's, it's, I always try to tell folks, it's not the Boston Marathon that matters, it's, it's the um, getting up to the Boston Marathon mm-hmm. because I did a race every weekend. And I, I, when you're at that level, you're like winning the races and it's, it's just such a high, so. Um, do you ever see yourself not running? 
Uh, no, I'm a lifetime runner. Lifetime runner. So, I mean, like you, so basically, the day before you pass away, you probably run the Boston Marathon a day before, right? Well, John Ke John Kelly, uh, he ran it like the most times, mm -hmm. and he, the last time he did it was he ran 100 feet mm -hmm. because he was like 85. Yeah, and we watched him, um, but he passed away. But yeah, in fact, my wife says you're probably gonna die. Well, my doctor said that yeah. you're going to live forever unless you get run over by a car. Yeah. And I got some friends that got hit by a car. Is, is there a race out there you have not run yet that you want to run? Um, on the bucket list? Yeah, probably London. Um, London. You know, some of those um, um, famous runs. But I, I won't be competitive. It's just to, just to be in. I did New York. Mm -hmm. I did, uh, you know, Disney. I did uh, Chicago. All the ma major ones here. Um, and probably in the United States. Probably... Grandmother's is a good, good marathon I did up in uh, Duluth. Um, Miami was kind of hot. Um, Disney was hot. Chicago, one of the it was hot. It was like 100 degrees. Um, we lost a guy, so they had to oh, close wow. down the the race because I drank all the Gatorade because I was there first. Yeah. Um, so when you're running the marathon, like what's the hardest part? Like the like first five miles. Oh. I always said different sort. Like the fun, like the first five miles. Some people say hit hit mile twenty. Okay. Like what's been your personal experience? So I think it's thirteen because you, if you're not feeling good at thirteen, which is halfway, um, you kind of like you kind of thinking about should I give it up? You know. But when, once you get to twenty, you know. 6K, you got 30 minutes left or 30, yeah. 45 minutes. The personal pride takes over, all that kind of stuff, and I'm guessing. Yeah, I did Georgia, and I got one of these guys that wrote the book, and I hear the crowds clapping. I'm like, what's going on? And then I see, um, I forgot his name, pass me. I'm like, oh, no, man. I'm like, I'm doing good, but he's even going faster. So he, a lot of these Kenyans, they do the second half of the marathon faster. So, yeah. but. Uh, and so you were in a marathon next next weekend, you said? Yeah, yeah, Whidbey Island with a lot of hills. Okay. So, so I'm a pacer, so I have to hold oh, okay. the pacer, so I have to go 345 on that one. Okay. So try to try to stay constant so there's a bunch of runners running with us. I'm guessing you've made a lot of friends through your running days? Uh, yeah, friends. Yeah, a lot, a lot competitors, of what do you want to call them? Competitors, yeah, yeah. yeah. They know me in the industry, so I'm, I'm known as Mick, so that's my running name. Okay. So. And do you do like any triathlons or ultra marathons? Um, I do triathlons. I did the um, the Ironman, which is a is it's a twenty six mile marathon. It's a two point four mile swim and a hundred and twelve mile bike. So okay. I did that once. So next question: Have you always been this insane? <laughs> oh well, I'm, I'm actually. You mentioned that it's. I joined the marathon maniacs, uh -huh. and you have to be insane to do. You know. To, to qualify, you got to do like three marathons in three weeks or something like that, and it, and it, they all they just talk about insanity. Well, I mean, how does your body even recover from that? Like, well, it now, doesn't. Now it doesn't. It doesn't. But in the old days, it, it um, you know, you t you would run the weekend, you take the next day off, and then the day before the race, you take the day off. Mm. So it's it was, was kind of like you, you don't think about it, and your body recovers when you're young. Yeah. Now, um, but the, but one thing I would say to anybody: don't get that major um, injury because that that will set you back. Don't over push it. I mean, thinking from history experience now. Um, but when I was a kid, I just pushed it right into the ground. I said, "Oh, it's painful. I'll just run right through it." You know? Yeah. So, no pain, no gain. Yeah, that's how I thought it. But um, so for recovery, like, what, what do you do for recovery? Like, you take you're taking ice baths, or like, what do you do for recovery? Um, just take time off. That's okay. about it. Um, and, and I mean, some some people say you're not supposed to jump in the hot tub afterwards. 
um, because it because you you know I you, you got to get rid of the you know the the pains that that build up. Um, uh, you know, drink a beer, uh, <laughs> try, try to get out of the zone. Um, I was actually at the Boston Marathon when it when they had the bombing, and um, I was sitting down having a beer and watching on TV. I'm like, this, it's, it's like 9 11. This 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 is not happening. I just was there. You know, it's like it's kind of crazy, but yeah. Um, ice bath. Um, I, I've done the the ice pads uh, where you wrap it in, and I also did the heat in the microwave. You heat up the pad and wrap it. I don't know if it works or not, but it feels good. <laughs> so, hey, so it's safe to say running is like like your number one hobby, right? Uh, yeah, my wife says you do too much of it, but and, and so like I think a lot of people don't realize that no matter your hobby is, it costs you money, right? Well, like I said, running is one of the cheapest thing. I mean, this. Well, you still have to pay for the race entries and well, shoes. Well, the park run, which I did this morning, is a free race. Okay. And so you can. There's a lot of 5K park races uh, situated. They do it every every week, 5K. And, and you know, you, you get folks out there that walking, running. It's just good for the community. So. Okay. Let's suppose there's somewhere out there like they're not kind of they're really not getting in good shape. They want to start running. Or even free. They've been running for a little bit on their own, like two, three, four miles a day. Okay. And they want to enter a 5K race, but like they're scared to ride. They're, oh, I'll be embarrassed, make fun oh, of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would you tell these people? Like, no, get rid of your fears and go enter a race and have some fun. Oh, because I have that sometimes. I, I do small races. So there was a, like a lot of folks doing that because they said, oh, I don't want to be the last one. But one thing that I do for my races, if you're the last one, you get a prize. So I actually gave them a prize. My first race with my family in Webster, Massachusetts was the 10K. And my dad and my br- little brother <laughs> finished last, and you could see the uh, police cruiser behind them. And my dad says, "Never run again. I'm never gonna <laughs> run again." I'm like, "No, you should be proud that you actually did it." And and he did it in 60 minutes. That's a good time. Here, I see people doing it 90 minutes. Like, I mean, here in Seattle is different from Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. People here they encourage each other, and I think there's no pride on the on the line here. But um, to encourage them, you know, do small distances. Um, do um, races that are not timed like you can do the park run which is a 5k it's not timed so nobody's going to record it um, as you get better it's like me I like getting re- t- um, time because then I can see what I can beat the next week or um, who, who's the competitor how, how can I beat this competitor what do I have to change in my strategy to do that and I guess I'm guessing you, you ran one of the Seattle marathons already uh, several of them yeah they got so, the rock and roll they got the Seattle marathon and um, Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah. So uh, I could be wrong, but I have to admit the one in Seattle is like has to be kind of hard, right? Because this is in winter time. It's all the hills. Is that one of the tougher marathons out there, or is it like average? Uh, I think it's average because Boston is the same. Boston has a lot of hills. They like got Heartbreak Hill. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, the the thing is with Seattle, the cooler weather is good for runners because it. I mean, if it's hot, I mean your body overheats and uh, you slow down. Um, Seattle's like perfect. It could if if you had the mist <laughs> and and, and uh, overcast. I mean that's perfect conditions for a, for a, a great PR of personal record. Okay. Um, but I don't have any problems with the the Seattle Marathon. But the Seattle Rock and Roll, they kind of went down through Woodland Park up and down. So if if you're training for a marathon and it's just on pavement, this this would be a little twist. Okay. But I mean you're always looking forward to the next rock band. You know, three more miles. You got you know another rock band, so, you know, playing music and keeps you kind of going on the Seattle Rock and Roll mar- Marathon. So let's suppose someone's like has not run 
like for the longest time, right? Okay. Say they're mid thirties, their average health, right? And they're like, I want to run a marathon. What advice do you have for them? Because obviously, they can't say today's Monday and run a marathon on Tuesday. I'm thinking like, okay, like how, how long do they need to train? Like, what would be like a, a dummies one on one training plan for them? Yeah, except if you're my older brother, he kind of had a week before that Boston Marathon. He said, Mike, eat a big steak and and and, and run it. He never did it, but <laughs> <laughs> he's not a runner. But um, start walking. And then move up, and then move up. And, and the thing is, you get—I think it's the ten percent rule. Uh, don't increase more than ten percent a week. Um, and then, if you feel um, pain, I cut back a little bit. Try um, um, working out at the gym, um, treadmills. Uh, d- mix it up a little bit. I mean, keep it fun. Like fart licks would be like speed up and slow down, speed up, slow down. That's always a good good um, training. Um, do some long runs, slow long runs, and then fast fast runs. Like, um, um, so you know, take it easy. Have a have a schedule. I mean, I think when I first started working out, they always kind of gave you a schedule to follow. But listen to your body. Um, if your body says no, you should cut back or slow down or, or you know bike. Um, you can walk. Uh, my dad does uh, power walking. Power walking. So. He, that's good. He does also ballroom dancing. In fact, when I was injured, they told me to do the aerobics to get the, the breathing going. So there's two things for running is, is your body, aerobics, and the mind. I guess you got, you got to have them all sync up at once. And then when, you, when, you, when race day comes, like this weekend's the Boston Marathon, people are like cutting back. You don't want to speed up. But to me, I always, I always kind of did a, marath- a half a marathon the week before, and I'm like sore. So it's like... Well, that was a, unless you're training through the marathon, you're using it for something else uh, further. Um, uh, you'd probably want to uh, taper off uh, before the race. And then Boston Marathon, they have this huge buffet, pasta, and it kind of like, it's called carbo, carbon, carbo loading. And that you've got to eat a lot of junk food during the marathon because your body's like just burning uh, calories left and right. And that will keep you going. You don't want to hit the wall because a lot of folks... You know, I did that once in Yakima Marathon, and I hit the wall because I didn't grab a, a drink right before the end of the marathon, and I came to a complete stop. My body shut down. I'm like, I, you know, I'm, I'm almost winning the race, and I'm, I, you know, they didn't have it ready for me because I was early, and uh, so I, I bypassed that, and it, I, I just came to a walking stop, and then people just passing me. There's nothing you can do. So you got to be smart. You need the, the sugar at the end. If you ever see some of these Kenyans at the New York City Marathon, they're popping jelly beans or, or some sugar pills uh, to get that extra boost to get you to the finish line. Do you have any like mentors as far as running, like anybody who like shows you how to run better or anything like that? Like- so I, I kind of kind of model after people like Bill Rogers. I, you know what what they do. Um, I got a lot of uh, local guys that are really good. I got one guy. Uh, he does. He's, he's shooting for under three hours for every state. So he flies into every state. So his, his what he says is, is pretty good because he also does triathlons too. In, far, in fact, Marcus uh, Garcia, he's, uh, he, he's a coach here in Seattle and he coaches all, all the triathletes. So he's been very active. I had him on my program for the Beaver Lake Triathlon to talk about safety. Uh, he's, a, he's a really good uh, coach. Um, they've done it. They've they studied it. I guess there's medicine in school. You can take classes and stuff. 
Um, and then they list, they talk to athletes and figure out what's, you know, what, what do you need to tweak to, to get to get the maximum performance? Yeah. Um, and it's it like every town has a, some kind of race every weekend, right? There's always some kind of race you can yeah, find, yeah. correct? Yeah, yeah. So um, I think it's Race USA. Um, in the old days, you had a magazine and I could kind of sketch mm -hmm. it all out. Now you got to do it online. Um, um, Active.com is what I use. And you just kind of Google um, Issaquah 5K and it pops up. So it's pretty uh, if you get connected to the website. So how many races do you think you've done over the years? Probably thousands, right? Yeah, I got so many T-shirts. Yeah. <laughs> so from your years of running, you have like a like a like a friendly competitor that you always like kind of racing against that you oh you see him every race. Y'all kind of compare notes and try to like compete right. against each other. Yes. Um, well, in Florida, I used to run in Florida, and there was always that guy that beat me because he was in the same age group. So uh, you always try to beat him, and you, you're never going to beat him because he's always one step ahead of you. Um, but there's, you know, as I get older, the younger guys are getting better. So before I used to kick their butt, now they're like kicking my butt. So, and we just lost um, Robert Bunderet. He, um, he fell off the mountain in California. I guess it was dark. You got to be careful uh, tripping. You could fall off the mountain. So, and so, how often do you do trail running for races? Are there a lot, like, a lot of trail races also? Oh, there's a lot of trail races here in um, um, Seattle area. Um, I try to do a lot of those. In fact, my younger years, I used to do. You know, there's a Evergreen Trail Runners, um, Walker Runners. Uh, they have trail races all the time. So, in fact, I put on a couple myself. So, like, we'll say, like, the last three or four years. What's the longest you've gone without running? Oh, it's probably, well, like I said, I just, um, I just ruptured my Achilles. Mm -hmm. So I was out for three months straight, okay. so I couldn't run. I bet that, and that probably killed you, didn't it? Well, I, I was looking at my weight. I'm like, uh, now I have to change my diet because I used to, <laughs> I used to eat Doritos every night. I'm like, well, if I do that, I'm gonna, I won't be able to get back in shape as, mm -hmm. as fast, so. Yeah. And you might not know this, but what's out there? Is there anything out there that says that if you're a runner, like your life expectancy increases or your blood pressure decreases? Like what out there that says if you're an active runner, like your health actually improves, your life is actually better? Okay, I think it's just exercise in general. And, and doctors recommend 30 minutes of exercise a day. Uh, I, and I, as I look and, and see this, I, I see the folks, it's, it's, the, it's pumping the blood. I mean, I think that's, you got to, either do a treadmill at, at the house or work. And I think that just from my friends um, and see, seeing the folks that, you know, their life's expectancy, um, you, you know, but if you go over that limit and that you're actually, um, um, they say it's it's not good for you, so. <laughs> so next, let's we'll go to electrical engineering. Okay. So. I could be wrong, but like when you're a little kid, people say I want to be Spider-Man, superhero, firefighter. I don't know if any people say I want to be electrical engineering when I grow up. What made you decide to choose that as a career? <laughs> well, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, when, when I was in third grade, I always wanted to be a lawyer. So, I mean, that that does a lot of running. But when I was in high school, the Eng they told me you got to go to the Eng you know Lucasen's English class. And I thought that was too easy. I wanted a challenge. So I went to the calculus class. So I, uh, me, I'm, I like challenges. If, it's, if, if I'm just sitting in class getting an A, I, to me, that's not doesn't do anything for me. So I got I took calculus and then um, my dad's a me mechanical engineer. My brother was a mechanical engineer. Um, but 
the way I did it, I, I applied for MIT, RIT, all the you know California Institute of Technology, and the one that you know a, a different major at each one, a different engineering major, and the one that popped up is that I got accepted at is um, University of Hartford in, in uh, Florida Institute of Technology, and the one at Florida Institute of Technology, I, I put in electrical engineer. So I wanted a challenge. Maybe nuclear engineer would have been a, a better challenge. Um, and I was actually looking for the money too. So to me, civil engineer was kind of like, it, it was kind of easier. So I wanted more of a challenge. So I, I got into electrical engineering. And for electrical engineering, um, you, 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 you get your bachelor's, master's, and PhD in it, correct? Uh-huh. No. No. So I got, I got a electrical engineer BS from Florida Tech, um, um, MS, uh, MBA from Florida Tech business. So. And then I got a marketing and accounting from Florida Atlantic University. Owls, they just went to the final four. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, we're happy. Yes. So what, what does electrical engineering, electrical engineer actually do? All right, so mo- 85% of the electrical engineers, I think they go into um, software engineering or something like that, because uh, Texas Instruments, uh, they were taking all the folks that had a 3.0 and better sending them to Texas. I didn't really want to go to Texas. Um, there's power engineers, there's electronic engineers, there's health and electronics health uh, engineers. Um, I, I work with a lot of folks. Um, the IEEE, they have 40 different technical societies. It used to be called the Institute of Electrical and Electronic Engineers, but they changed it now to Advancing um, hum- Technology for Humanity. So they got a, so actually we got the conference next friday in las vegas we so i got mechanical engineers i got health engineers um uh, um electrical engineers um they got the new um, microgrids which is renewable engineers so i'm a design engineer when i started out my first job was at 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 kennedy space center doing systems engineering and i'm like well, I want to do what that guy does. He designs. So I, I, I um, jumped the ship and took from systems engineering, you know, doing payload electrical configuration testing to power and en- um, design engineer where I could actually build the Titan launch pad, doing all the lights and the power. So that, that was exciting. So you do the Titan launch pad? That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, for Lockheed Martin. And then Boeing actually had a, a, a competitor right next to it. The same was getting built by Boeing. And it was kind of kind of neat to see who had the best rocket. <laughs> so, so, how do you recommend someone to pick what type of engineering they want to do? Right, if they seem like there's so many you can do. It's also okay. pretty cool, pretty interesting. Like, what do you recommend for people? Okay, to do? so if I could have done it differently, I would have done co-op, where you actually would would take a summer off or or a semester off and actually work for them. Like you could work for NASA, uh, FAA. They have uh, internships where you actually get a feel for the job. Me, I went straight through, got the four four, four year degree, then jumped into the field. I'm like, so I, I started working at Kennedy Space, and I'm like, this is not what I went to school for. I'm just chasing signatures from NASA. I'm like, this is like go for work, and I, I don't like it. So actually, I, I wanted to get more involved. Um, uh, so I jumped ship to Rockwell, and I actually worked with the astronauts with small payloads, and we kind of went um, w- went around and kind of coached them when they're up in space what to do with it and how to capture the data. We also did the arm that pulls the the Hubble out, and oh shit! Um, so we put the bunny suits on, and but it it was kind of funny. We had like fifteen engineers, t- you know, putting in a bolt, you know, every <laughs> all the QC. And the funny thing is. 
um, Hubble, I don't know if you know about Hubble, but the Hubble guys, they use the international system. We use the American system. So if, when they get up to space, it wasn't focused because we two fo the payload folks and the shuttle folks use two different systems. So, um, Man, that's so interesting you're walking the Hubble telescope. But I would say something there. Um, it was fun at the first couple months, but then it kind of got routine. Yeah, like, mm. I can imagine, yeah. So it, unless you, you love space and just, because I see rockets going up every day. I'm like, like no okay. Thing. Um, I mean, I lived on Cape Canaveral, Cocoa Beach, and you know, the, the, they had the missiles coming out of the submarines and they were blowing up and they're going freaky. Yeah. In fact, I think the shuttle um, that went off course, they had to blow it up. Yeah. It didn't blow up on itself. It yeah. was just going off course, so. Yeah, man, that's interesting. Um, so what are the cool products have you worked on? What are the cool things have you worked on? Um, or interesting things? Um, like electrical engineering? Yeah. Okay, um, so I do a lot of schools in Chicago, so doing the lighting. Uh, they do ha have a LEED program, which is um, um, energy conservation. Um, that was kind of kind of nice to work on. And then wherever I go, like I work for the FAA, and they actually did a couple LEED projects down in California, which was kind of interesting on energy savings and you know how, how, how to turn it green, sustainable, uh, less carbon. Uh, that was always fun. Now I'm in, I'm in the microgrid technologies where we're actually looking at uh, you know hydrogen fuel cells. We're looking at solar. We're looking at um, wind turbines, uh, battery energy storage. So that's exciting to me because it's a new field, and I can bring it to folks. And, and actually, one thing that we do is energy as a service, where we actually come and put um, equipment on your site, and then you get the sell power back to the utility at you know when there's peak demand so that's that's fun to me uh, saving customers money so microgrid is like pretty much like re renewable energy yep so what's your take on renewable energy like do you think it's actually going to be a, a major part of our energy consumption is it going to like ever take the place of oil and coal or do you think it's just like a pipe dream well yeah definitely coal and um oil is out, out of it because i mean I, you it's not like people are saying that you're going to have higher climates, more tornadoes. We, we, we see that. I mean, I mean, maybe it's just a trend, but I, I see it getting worse. And unless we do something for the environment, I guess the carbon is kind of heating up like, a, you know, uh, causing more, more storms. And, um, but if, I think if we get rid of that by doing the solar panels, the wind turbines, the stuff that doesn't give off the... Um, um, carbon, I think we're going to be a better society. And in fact, everybody's pointing at the U.S. like it's our fault because <laughs> we got we got all these diesel cars and yeah. I mean we they already have uh, hydrogen cars, hydrogen trucks. They have EV trucks. I mean we're working with the uh, city of Vancouver. They're putting in a whole new hydrogen fueling station uh, down there, and uh, they just put in EV charging for their buses. It's all the clean energy. So I mean, I know the United States has a lot to blame as far as carbon emissions, but like, it, don't countries like China, India have like way more all well, the pollution they have? Maybe not cars, but the factories and stuff like that. Yes, that's even worse. Yeah, you're right. Um, like I mentioned, um, when we go to China, they have the the, the fuel, the coal, and it. They had the marathon there, and they had to close the marathon down because the, nobody could breathe. I mean, they had to put masks on if they wanted to run. But I think there was one year they had to closed down the Beijing Marathon because of the cold in October. So um, 
I think I think you're right on that point. Yeah. As far as microgrids, are these like going to replace like existing electrical grids, or how's that going to work? Uh, in some cases, yes. It's 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 called DERs, distributed energy resources, where they actually are doing um, wild horse here in in um, Yakima area, Ellensburg. They got uh, wind wind farms, which is actually um, replacing the. Um, the, the diesel generators. We have a lot of hydrogen up here, so we're good up here in, in Washington. But like California, there's no, <clears throat> there's little or no hydro, um, hydro, which is water um, generating electricity, and they're having power outages left and right down there. And we're coming up. We're actually doing work in in Shasta, uh, California, where we're actually putting in solar and battery energy storage and um, wind turbines. So the telecoms, I don't know if you know PG&E, they shut off your power for no reason. They see a storm coming because they had that fire. So we got these telecoms out there and they, they lose power and they have a diesel generator there for what, a couple hours? And then people, the cell phone is, doesn't work anymore because there's no power for the cell tower. So we're actually putting in, um, like I mentioned, renewables uh, for, for that, for that uh, telecom. Does nuclear energy play a part in renewables? Or is that something totally different? No, nuclear is part of it, yeah. Okay. So we actually gonna do a tour here down in Seattle. They have the Fusion uh, Avalanche Energy on the 24th. We're gonna go through there. The Fusion is, is um, um, fission is when the you split the hydrogen, you get the bomb, and you got, fusion is when you take two um, and you fuse it and, and make it into three and it gives off energy. and um, I think that's going to be really great when it comes online, which would think in 2027, where you got microgrids that are fusion, mm -hmm. and you know all you need is a you know two mic two atoms to come together to make three, and you, it gives off unlimited clean energy. So I think that's a, a big part. Um, if they get these, we interviewed a couple people already um, that are actually doing this in England, and there's a guy up in Canada that does it. Um, his company, um, they got lot, lots of funding for this. Um, if it gets off, and I, you just heard the Secretary of Energy, she cl claimed that they put the two together. Uh, yeah, I remember that. And, and they, that was a big deal. But like, it, you don't hear all the background, you know, all this other stuff, you know, the magnets coming together or the lasers, uh, that took a lot of energy too. But the, the concept kind of, it was, it was a positive for the industry. So Now, nuclear energy, I don't guess a bad rep, you know, Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, but nuclear is actually like the safe energy out there, right? Well, nuclear, that's the fission, right? Not the fusion. Mm -hmm. The fission is the Three Mile Island where the explosion, the, this, in Russia, they had the Chernobyl. Um, that, that's the bad stuff. You, you gotta be able to, 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 to contain it. If, if something goes wrong, you gotta be able to shut it off. Um, that's always, um, but it's still clean energy. I mean, it's, mm -hmm. it's the little or no carbon uh, output. How about all the nuclear waste that people say is like dangerous and last millions of years? Uh, yeah, that's an issue. issue yeah. I mean, we got that in Hanford, they're burying, making them into logs and burying them. Mm -hmm. And now I guess the the drinking water is not supposed to be safe. I, I heard. <laughs> so. Yeah. Is, is the Hanford plant, is that still operational? Um, or is it closed down? I don't remember. Not sure. Yeah. So. So. As far as renewables, suppose you had to pick one to put all your money against, right? Like, which one do you say, hey, this is a renewable that's going to actually make it with other ones? 
Uh, there's a, we have a, uh, investors that actually talk on this, um, but I mean, it's just, it's just like the stock market. Um, which ones? Right now, um, solar is 85% of it is made in China. So, I mean, we're, we're back to Orient to Vietnam to get it here. And I think Biden just came up with, uh, he kind of said, I mean, you guys are going, the, you're taking the shortcut and getting around it. Let's just kind of like let China back in. I think he said that. I'm not 100% sure. But you got, you got solar, you got hydrogen fuel cells, um, you got regular fuel cells. Which is this? Remember, the space shuttle was, you know, going to wherever Mars or Saturn. They have fuel cells to keep keep, um, um, you know, thing. Fuel cells is sort of like a battery. Um, and then what else you got? Oh, they have other contraptions too. They kind of like wind. I forgot what is it. They wind up something, and then oh, and then they have like elevators. I mean, there's all all types of uh, microgrids that they're coming up with now. So. Um, Put the put the money in. Can't tell because like we're working with Vancouver. They they got EV and hydrogen. They said in in three years they're gonna decide which one they're gonna do the second phase on. So it's you know we will have to see. It's like the beta and the VHS. You know, yeah. it, it's you know you you, you can kind of guess. I mean the beta was smaller, right? You would figure that would work, but it, it, people went with the VHS. Yeah. I remember that. Um, <clears throat> what excites you about the future of electrical engineering? Uh, <clears throat> so um, one thing that we're, we're trying to do is, um, so the IEEE is 450,000 members, and we're going to get the president-elect. He, he's Tom Coughlin out of San Jose. So what he, he came on my program, and he was saying that we need to motivate these young engineers because then, I mean, we're going to lose all the electrical books. They're going to what software or whatever's paying more money, I guess, or whoever gives the life balance. Um, but the thing is, from from my perspective, just like NASA is the brain train, if you don't coach the young guys or excite them, um, we're going to lose lose the whole industry. And then every, every year at January 1st, uh, a couple of days after they have the young stars um young folks and they kind of like get them up on stage and praise them and 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 give them new ideas and i think that's a great great incentive uh to, to excite the workforce in electrical engineering and just like the schools i mean what mo motivates folks to go to a certain school in electrical engineering yes so electrical engineering like it's pretty tech advanced has a has a tech advancement been like like been pretty steady over the years well, there's a lot of stuff coming out, like ChatGBT. I mean, that's that's exciting. I mean, that's something to do with, uh, I guess, um, it goes across all the fields, right? Physicians. Um, so I guess what, what do you define electrical engineering as? Um, electronics. I mean, they come, they come up with space electronics. There's all types of different electronics. Um, so, I mean... So once you get your bachelor's degree as an electrical engineer, you have to get some kind of certification, like you do as an accountant or lawyer, or you just get your degree and go find a job. Um, so there's a couple of things out there. I mean, I got a PE, a professional engineering, to do um, power power system studies or um, building. You got to go through the AHJ, which is the um, the code officials. In this, you know, if you're going to put lighting in um, power, you need to get a PE, professional engineering. So you have to sit for the exam. Uh, which is a, um, I think it's an eight-hour exam. 
Whoa. So, um, and it's basically on your field. So in the morning you got general and afternoon you got electrical part of it. Um, but, uh, and then they got lead and they have different, like I just sat, um, I'm gonna sit for this um, certified energy manager. So there's different designations you can get. Um, to start a job, you pretty much don't need that. You probably just need a degree, and uh, there's tons of companies looking for people today. So electrical engineering pretty much the same across the world. Like if you're an electrical engineer here in the United States, you could probably do the same job in China. I mean, of course, we speak the same language, of course, right? Yeah. Is, is it electrical engineering like norms or whatever you want to call it pretty much the same across the world? Um, there's standards. So standards, yeah, standards, yeah, yeah. yeah. IEEE has a huge standards division. So they come up with standards. They work with the uh, w- with the industry and they develop these standards. Like um, I'm working with the IEEE 1547, which is the interconnection to the utility. So we want anybody that's going to connect to the utility, we want it to be kind of uniform throughout the country. So everybody doesn't. If you ever go to China or or, or Mexico. They, you know, people just kind of grabbing power left and right and getting hurt. So we got to have safety standards. We follow the NFPA 70E, which is the, you know, electrical safety in the workplace. Um, like I mentioned, the 1547 kind of details on what parameters you need to have to connect to the grid. Because if you have a corona effect, you could actually destroy the local utility. So, I mean, the utility is very concerned about other people selling power back to the to them, and it has to be uh, on their terms uh, and their standards. So yes. So Mike, so you have your PE license in different states, right? Why is that? Like, why do you have to have one for each state, each of the fifty states? So how does that work? Or well, we do work in Texas. We do work in California. And each state has a different standards or something, or different license requirements. Well, um, I can, I, you got to get in, like Texas, you need to get fingerprinted, eye, eye scanned and all that. Um, they have different standards to, uh, and then they have different fees. Um, 480 volts is 480 volts, 120 volts is 120 volts. Um, can, Canada has different standards. They, they're at 360 volts, so you got to follow those. Um, but yeah, um, each state, they have ethics exam you have to follow. Um, but it's, and you have to retake these exams like once here, so oh, it's no, one, no, no. one and done. Yeah, one and done. Okay. So you can. It's called reciprocity. So if I want to get a um, a PE in Hawaii, you just send in the information. Uh, the NCEES. They you can just apply with them. Give them all your references. They'll check. They'll they'll do that for you, and you just got to pay your fee, and then you get the license for a different state. So yeah, it's the same exam for the. 52 okay. states. So Mike, can you talk about the states. difference between being a technical, technical expert versus project management? Project management? Yeah, versus technical expert. Okay, so project manager, you just kind of run the project. Um, technical, you're more of the design, you're in the weeds, you're looking at the submittals, uh, technical issues, the specifications you're writing, you're, you're, you're writing the uh, plans. The project manager, they're the ones that work with the construction companies to actually uh, you know, get get the project on schedule on budget um, per per the, um, the the requirements. So, so when you're looking to hire electrical engineering, like what what are you looking for? Like a certain amount of experience, certain skill sets, certain values. What do you look for? So basically, um, we just hired a, a new guy this Monday's coming on board, but he, he has an energy background. We do a lot of energy audits, so we want somebody interested 
like in energy. So he, if he went to school for energy, he's probably interested. Um, can he, can he, you know, hit make the schedules, do the reports? Um, has some kind of technical savvy to him. You know, motivated. I mean, you can see if somebody's yeah. motivated, or they just like, oh, okay, I'll take the job. <laughs> so I, I'm not. I didn't interview my my boss. Interviewed him. So uh, he, he, my boss is very excited for him. And you know, a lot of times you want new folks, so you know, kind of get them in the industry and keep them along. Um, but we also need to have experienced folks. I mean, we can't just have a lot of new people. We need some folks like myself to train them, and I do a lot of training with them. Um, and working with the industry, I actually have speakers come on on the show and actually um, kind of give you know, like like you said, things are changing sometimes fast. Like the hydrogen is is that going to somebody else making a better mousetrap? Let's let's hear about it. You know, so bring them on the show. So Mike, I know there's no such thing as like an average career for electrical engineering, but what is like the average career? Like what like you got to graduate from college? Like what jobs do you look for as far as like advancing? Okay, so a lot, a lot of jobs, some folks like government, I mean, it's more secured. Um, then other folks like to work in the industry, they like the challenge um, in working with people. Um, so um, what are they looking for? So, I mean, everybody has a different tenure to them, um, but you can talk to them and see if they're motivated uh, for, for your job that you're interviewing for. Um, NASA folks wanted to work for NASA because it, it sounds like it, it sounds exciting, right? And they actually uh, until it's not <laughs> until it's not. But a, a lot of folks, uh, I have friends at NASA and or FAA, and and they they love what they're doing. Um, a lot of times they just do what they they do, but they are also hire contractors like me, which I'm embedded with them. And I actually help them more with the technical because they're more high level um, projects. Um, like some folks, you know, you got to get this new tower. We just put a new tower down in um, San Francisco. So that, that needed to be done. It's a lot of scheduling, talking to folks, make sure all the contractors are on board, reviewing all the submittals. So that's always important. And then budget. What, what are, they, are we staying in budget? Are we on schedule? If not, what do we need to do to get them back on schedule? So I'm guessing when you do your job, like engineering, and you're you doing whatever you're doing, you have to deal with the bureaucracy of local government, state governments. Mm. Um, don't, don't answer this if you don't want you to go. Can't like, is there a certain city or location that's easier for, for y'all to deal with because there's less bureaucracy or something like that? Or is it pretty much bureaucracy is bureaucracy across the United States? Well, it once again, it depends on the AHJ, which is the authority having jurisdiction. It, so you could have one manager that approves it and then another manager that doesn't in the same city, in the same department. So that's... Um, it's, it's sort of like that in school, right? If you got the electronics guy, um, I was just telling my wife, um, one of our, the head of the electrical engineers, I just read in the in Facebook actually, uh, he died. And I'm like, wow, I was in this class. And what he told us in class is to take the book to the bar and, and, and read it. And, and that's, what, that's what he talked about the whole day. He's a department head. He actually didn't have any really technical um, things he was sharing with the class he says read the book that's all he said and it was um so you know different teachers uh, I, you know I, in fact i went for accounting in university um university of uh, central florida and she kind of flunked half the class but if you got past that you 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 accomplished something as opposed to somebody's just handing out a's so 
Uh, so there's a difference. I mean, I mean, I like the challenge, but you know, you got to get. Sometimes you got to get through the through the classes. Nick, can you talk about your role as chair of the IEEE? Okay, so um, I I always wanted to um, work with consultants, and uh, one day the the position was open, so I took it, and basically. What it is, is it's working with consultants. And this is a non-paid volunteer position, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I have about 110 consultants in Seattle. So I, I try to have talks uh, um, for those consultants, what they do. This, this Sometimes there's small consultants. They need help on, you know, getting their business going. Um, a lot of them are engineers, so they don't think like a business savvy. Um, I try to connect them with business folks to, to get, you know, what, what do you need to, to move forward? You know, wh where you're looking. So we kind of give them all kind of ideas. So I actually reach out to them and listen to what they want to hear. And then um, like my conferences, I, I reach out to them so I can promote them. So if, if, you, if you don't, if nobody knows about you, I mean, then you, you don't have business. So you want to get that repeat business. I mean, that's important. I know a lot of the engineering companies here in Seattle, they, they get, you know, 90% repeat business and that's that's good. So and how long have you been the chair the chair? I'm going on four years. Four now. years? And they told me they it's only supposed to be good for two years, but not, no I uh, I got it, nobody else. No one wants to, to no one wants to do it. So to me, I, I took it for my BD business development. Mm -hmm. So I think reaching out to people and, and you know, working with them, they help me too. So um it's a um it's a win win for uh, for the IEEE consultant network. And I just won an award for having the most <laughs> talk shows, all right? So um so they they um, I didn't hear anything negative. People just like what I'm doing because, I mean, it's free. They're not yeah. paying me. Um, I'm connecting folks, and I think it's a win-win for, uh, you know, for, the, for the area. So, of course, you're doing it because, you know, you want to give back to the community and be of value, but what do you get out of it? I mean, you have to, you're still getting something out of it, right? What do you get out of it? Well, I get the connections. So, I, you know, like I got the conference next week in, in Vegas. So I'm taking the microgrid consortium down there. And we're doing actually, a, you know, um, a presentation in the boardroom at the uh, in, in in Las Vegas, and while the uh, conference is going on. So um, basically, um, folks that are coming there, they're coming to see me too. So um, we, we're going to talk some about some jobs and some potential jobs. I mean, we got the Green Energy Corridor coming out, and <clears throat> the the uh, DOE. We're working with the DOE, Department of Energy, on on getting. These fueling stations every 30, 50 miles from here to the to the um, Massachusetts uh, on the I I ninety. But I was, somebody just gave a talk last week, and they have the induction highway where you don't even have to stop anymore. The the the, the uh, roadway actually fuels the car I, along I've, the way. I, I've heard of that. Yeah. yeah. So that, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but you know, like like the Chat GBT, which is I don't know if you know about that, but is it eliminating our, our jobs or making our jobs easier? Or, I mean, I think that's uh, a gr great, um, a great forward thinking. Yeah, where I look at it is like, you know, remember back the days we had a bunch of horses, you know, and the cars came out, people are like, hey, because you have people like, like you know, um, several the horse shit off the street. Yeah. Oh, they're all going to lose their jobs, right? Right. Oh, of course they did. Like, I just think it's a cycle, right? Yeah. New, new stuff comes up, replaces old stuff, and people yeah. adapt, you know. Now, like, are people gonna lose their jobs? Probably yes, right. But well, I mean, <clears throat> I, I I studied <clears throat> Japan in 
<clears throat> I, I studied Japan in, um, in college, and what they, they were rewarded if they could eliminate their job. So they would get um, promoted if they could l- eliminate their job. And one thing when I was working at the Space Center is if you could come up with some cost savings, the money would go to your pocket. So you, you can, if you could figure out how to save billions of dollars, <laughs> you get a chunk of that, I guess. So. Nice, nice. And so um, you have the Las Vegas event next weekend, right? Yes. But you also have, you also do an event in Florida, like you have a cruise coming in October, right? Yeah. Is that, is that like the 50th anniversary of your something? Right. Can you talk about that? Okay, so I hijacked the, 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 the cruise line. So I do these seminars mm-hmm. uh, all over. Uh, we had Miami in December. And these seminars, are they only focused on electric engineering or different subjects? So like I mentioned, IEEE is not the Institute of Electronic and Electrical Engineers anymore. It's, it's, it's advancing humanity. Um, it's advancing technology for humanity. So I'm bringing in mechanical engineers. I'm bringing in, I'm bringing in folks financial. I, we have the financial summit every year. Um, so basically, just integrating a lot of folks. Um, we're trying to work with ASHRAE. We're trying to work with um, Engineers Without Borders, which is more mechanical, civil. So we're trying to become like the Boy Scouts. You're inviting the, the girls in to make it more interesting. I guess I don't know. <laughs> um, but yeah, the cruise conference is open um, to pretty much. In fact, I'm trying to get the mayor of Bellevue to come down and give a talk. She she was here at the Seattle Electrical Conference. She gave a talk on um, smart cities. So how Bellevue is becoming smarter. How they're using lidar to to prevent um, um, accidents. And uh, you know they're progressive. Um, I'm, I'm, I did have Harold on on my talk show before uh, he became mayor <laughs> but right now it's kind of hard to get him on because he's probably too busy hey, this is one for you so like it's uh, and this is my opinion it's like you have cities like bellevue seattle we say all the big cities right, urban areas like they're taking advantage of all the technology right you know like like late lidar yeah all the stuff going on but what about the small country towns like the rural country communities right yeah. Is, is this like to be this big disadvantage right in the future right how do we make sure the rural communities are Less popular areas have the same advantage as far as all of the well, stuff okay. coming on. Uh, you mentioned I just had a talk, a speaker uh, from Chicago talk on that. It's called e- Equity, um, something uh, Energy Equity, mm-hmm. where um, they're pushing um, like the funding wouldn't go to the disadvantaged comp as much as the the ones that are uh, more lucrative uh, salary. So they're pushing to have equity in, in, in energy. So she did a good talk. I mean, I liked it. I mean, I think it, we, we got to get that out there where the small rural con- um, are at the same level. I mean, I mean, we're talking, do they really need LIDAR? Because I know in uh, Friday Harbor, they don't have any, um, st- they don't have any traffic yeah. signals. They're all stop signs, right? So, um, and they, they yeah. want to be like that. Yeah, yeah. You, and you definitely want to like, Throw money at a, at a community that doesn't need it, so they definitely want to do that. But there's matching funds, so if the community wants it, they could uh, get a federal uh, matching funds. I know they Seattle does that a lot. Our companies uh, go after that a lot to get the projects. Um, they just came out with the IRA Infrastructure Reduction Act, and there's a ton of money out there for renewables. So if anybody wants to get on board, we can get them connected with the with the funding. And, uh, you know, like I mentioned, the energy as a service, uh, some of these microgrids are, are practically no cost because 
you know, like the Siemens would own it and, and they would maintain it and you would benefit from the from the power. So that's to me, that's a win win. I mean, so I might mean make this up, but, you know, there's communities out there like have like lived off coal like for generations, right? The coal's everything to them. Coal like employed the, the, the father, the grandfather, the yeah, grandfather, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like it's it's like it's like how we have to freeze up for the get rid of coal, right? But how do you convince these communities like, no, there's something better than coal and your life would be better without coal? Or is it just a matter of like, that's how, how it is in those communities? Well, I mean, it's just like Filene's basement, right? They they said, well, we didn't change and they went out of business. I mean, the, the industry's changing. I mean, um, coal, yeah, they, they got jobs, but we got to do job replacement. I think President Biden has programs to do that. Um, but... I mean, yeah, it's it's a tough sell. I mean, they've they've been doing coal forever, and then you want to change it. Change is always, you know, it's it's always um, a challenge for some people. Me, I, I welcome challenge um, change because I know we're going to do the community better. But some some folks that get into these engineering jobs, like you mentioned, um, they've been doing it for like my dad. He was doing it for like um, you know thirty years, and now he got five years left. Uh, he says, Mike, um, I, I got to retire. I, I, I can't be retrained. I'm an old dog, you know, so. So is this true? Uh, so I read somewhere like, you know, like how like like Tesla's like, like, you know, like that you really can't have like a charging system in every, every house in the neighborhood because yeah. of, of the grid's not ready for that yet. How true is that? Well, I mean, I heard the community um, microgrids where actually everybody plugs in at night and they share that power. So if you have too much power, uh, your neighbor could use your power. I heard that. But I somebody came on my program or somebody talked to me and they said, what if there's a fire because you're connected to this? Who, who's, who's liable? I mean, for commercial, you could write it off. But, you know, if, <laughs> if you're plugged in and your house burns down, you know, I mean, does the city want to take that responsibility? It has to probably be a public-private partnership or something, something um, that you would know if somebody put something together wrong. And you know, whose 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 mistake is that? In fact, we got some forensic um, folks going to be talking at um, Las Vegas conference next week. So what they do is they go in after the fire and try to figure out, you know, whose responsibility is that. So. So for your professor engineering exam, how long ago did you take that? 2003. 2003? Yeah. And that's the eight-hour exam, correct? Right. Two sections of like four hours and then four hours. So from your point of view, was that worth taking and passing? Was it? Did it pay off in the long run for you? That's why I like getting extra money, oh, extra yeah. job, whatever. Yes, 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 definitely, okay. yeah. Because <laughs> so, folks want, I mean, when you apply, for, when you go for a proposal, mm -hmm. um, folks want to know you have a professional engineer on board. Mm -hmm. So so professional engineer, what that means is you putting your stamp on it. If something goes wrong, you know, they, they're coming after you. They're coming after your license. Um, so that, that means something to somebody. Um, and if, if you're doing crappy work, um, you could be barred from, just like a lawyer, if they're telling frivolous things to the client, I mean, that's, they can get disbarred. I mean, it's the same way with engineering. So um, we, we have a high standard ethics, um, so we need to follow the code. The code is the minimum before you go to jail. You can do more than the code, but if you do less, and then there's an accident, you know, smaller wire size, you burn the wire, you burn the house down, then that's um, all 
Oh, oh, not good. Have you ever seen anyone like that have their professional engineering like revoked since you've been doing this? Well, there's a, I see a lot of people on the list. So, and they, they say don't work with these folks. So, I mean, Dr. Metz is a pretty small community, right? Um, well, there's, I mean, there's a lot of money in it. If you go to PE and you're stamping drawings, some people do it cookie cutter. They're not even looking at the design. Mm -hmm. Me, I, if I have people working for me, I have to supervise them the whole design. And then I, I, I mean, that's your personal credibility on the I, line, right? I own the. I can imagine like stamping. Oh no, what it's like that's craziness to me. But some people, you need a stamp to go through the city, right? So some people kind of sub that out and, and say, "Can you stamp it?" And then some people have no uh, ethics and they stamp it and they, they get the the money. So that's that's an issue. Um, so Mike, so you have your own full time job that you make money at. You have basically another full time job as a volunteer job. And then you have your another full job running running marathons, and you're married, which is of course another full time job. No, so, I, so I, how do you like balance all these yeah. time constraints and things you do? Like, what's your system for that? Okay, so um, like like I mentioned, just like running, you work up to it, right? So a lot of this stuff, um, <laughs> you know, like I tell my boss, I get the job done in thirty minutes. What do I do the rest of the thirty nine and a half hours? Um, the thing is, you, you become skilled at it, and then you tr you try to get more volunteers to help out, which I'm doing that now for both the running and the uh, and the consultant. But folks want to be part of something that's that that's valuable. And um, you know, funny that you said that. Um, the Seattle chair of the IEEE, San Sanjay Samuel, he's looking for volunteers. A lot of folks say, "I want to be there," but when he actually needs somebody to pick up the pizzas, nobody's there to pick them up. So. Yeah, everyone, most people want the benefits of doing the job and not the job itself, right, unfortunately. Right, exactly, yeah. So, Mike, you, you present a lot, of, a lot of technical conferences, right? And so how do you deal with, like, presenting technical matter that like, can be, you know, pretty boring, but also make it exciting? Like, how do you oh, yeah. mix, like, like, good storytelling with the, tech, the technical piece? Okay, so the trick to that is you got to keep it fast-paced. All my talks are just 20 minutes. So somebody has all this... Um, I said you got to pack it into twenty minutes, so so you're getting the twenty the best twenty minutes out of them, and then five minutes of Q and A. So I got to keep it fast paced. S some people don't like that because I'm too fast paced. But when they're up there, I said we're going to invite you back for an hour show, <laughs> and then you can you can give us more information. I mean, some of this is really great stuff, but I, we're we're just showcasing it. We're just sampling them. We're, we're actually you know seeing what they have, and if they're great, that's good. Uh, if I, I had one guy, he was showing a video selling something. I'm like, well, the IEEE is not about selling yeah. stuff. Well, I had to sit through it because I invited him. Um, but the thing is, the IEEE, we try to, because try to, I heard this before, they don't want all this advertising. If somebody's going to go to a conference, they want they want content, something that they can use. And then I, like the uh, Las Vegas, I have two tracks, which they can choose the speaker in, and, and they, they're going to get cut off at the same time so you can switch. I mean, it's, it's basically two conference rooms. Um, but um, I, I, we, got the, um, we got Greg Billington. He's an Olympian, Olympic uh, triathlete that went to Rio. So he, he's my co-host. Uh, he'll be speaking. Um, and then I, I always have giveaways at lunchtime, the IEEE giveaway. Uh, make that exciting. And we have happy hour. I invited Santa Claus to, to December, um, Miami, and, and Santa Claus was drinking a beer. I said, have a beer, Santa Claus. So everybody liked that. So that was, it was really nice. Um, some of the comedians, they could be pricey, 15000 
I'm not at that level yet. Um, but like most of my conferences, the, the speakers, they just come, um, most of them from their, paid from their um, um, employer. Basically, we're showcasing them, um, we're promoting them. Um, and then I always like to have a mayor come Somebody talk with authority, mm -hmm. kind of kicking it off. And I had a lot of the, the um, Mavu, um, some of the local uh, Seattle folks. I had uh, Bruce Harrell on once. Okay. Um, Kaufman was the IEEE president next year. So he's, he's going to be an influencer. And we got him on the cruise for a, a, uh, a week. So we got his ear. So nice, he, nice. he was wanting, what, what can we do? So we can talk to him, say, hey, let's push more microgrids or let's push more electronics or, or whatever. Um, but he, he goes around and, and talks to everybody. He's working with the president now. I guess it's a one-year deal. Um, so so the monthly talks that y'all give, like, is it, how do you pick the topic for the monthly talks? Is it up to the speaker? Do, do, or do you, do you tell them what you want them to hear about? So basically, I have certain things. Health and electronics. I got financial summit. I got the microgrid green energy conference. So basically, I'm putting, if it's a tech conference, I, I kind of grab from that and I try to keep it. I, I also have payloads since I worked at the Space Center. We have a payload. Uh, um, Rachel's going to talk on payload um, space policy. Where does the country want to go with the space policy? I mean, there's a lot of junk in, in, in the, when they shoot up this and you got all these satellites, uh, Elon Musk putting all the satellites up there. I mean, we're going to start having collisions. I mean, we're already having collisions. Um, is there kind of like a standard for international? I mean, we're working with the International Space, space Station. We actually had um, space vacations that we're promoting um, in the future. So, we, I mean, you got Amazon shooting up rockets in Texas, um, you know, Captain Kirk went up, right? And he was excited. I mean, that that's something that we're, we're shooting for. I, I heard Virgin Atlantic just went out of business. I mean, he put the space plane up. That was kind of exciting. But um, but these are all exciting things that um, I like space. I mean, I, I mean, I lived in Florida, so that's yeah. why I kind of got, got yeah, involved. I'm, I'm making a space too, yeah. So do you think it's a good thing or bad thing, or does it matter like the private companies are, like taking over the, the NASA job, so to speak? Oh, okay. So when I was in 1987, when I worked at the Space Center, that was NASA's biggest thing. They wanted the, the, they wanted to commercialize it. They didn't want to be a big bureaucracy. I mean, it, we looked at the space shuttle as a Model T Ford. I'm like, we're lucky to get this thing up in space. I mean, the technology is so old. And to change a whole program, you know, it takes billions and billions of dollars, and that wasn't going to happen. So, getting um, Elon Musk to put the what, SpaceX up there—that that is just fantastic because they're motivated. They're motivated by uh, by um, the bottom line. Yeah. The NASA, you know, well, if we just push the deadline, or we'll get around to it when we get yeah. around to it. I mean, it was—it's just a different. Mentality. I remember when a SpaceX first landed those rockets. You knew were rockets the first that actually worked. Like we're like, oh shit. Like, this is badass right here. This is so nice. And they just got approved for the, um, I just saw them, they got approved for the Mars, is it? Yeah, I think yep. so, yeah. So that, sense, that yeah. was good. That's what I was talking, most people don't realize. I mean, I do, but like, what's on our phone was, it was more engineering that was that got us to the moon, right? Oh yeah, sure. Like, and people don't realize that. Like, if you have enough power here to send us, to send you to the moon, right? Right, right. And so like, next question, like, we're to the moon in 1969. 
And we really haven't done anything in space since then, right? When you think about it, right? I mean, of course, you sent probes of Mars and Pluto, but like, you don't think we would have had a man on Mars by now, right? Why do you think we went backwards? You think about we went to the moon in 69, we went a couple more times, and the space shuttle really just flew around the Earth, right? Hmm. Like, you think there's a lack of NASA will, different priorities? Why do you think? Yes, I think it's different priorities. I mean, I think they're already talking about a moon base. I mean, we don't need to go on the Mars, but I think um, I had the um, astronaut that's doing the medical, and he was concerned about the um, gamma rays that kill you before you get to Mars, but he, now he feels safe, confident that we can get somebody to Mars by 2039, I think they're shooting yeah. for. Um, but they won't be coming back. Yeah. So if you, it's just like America, definitely a one-way trip. On, get on the Mayflower, you're going yeah. to the United States or whatever. Yeah. You're not coming back. You're not coming back. But that's good. I mean, you got to set up a colony up there, and yeah. I think that's the way. And then the moon. I mean, the moon. They're looking at the moon as colony. In fact, they're getting a lot of solar stuff. Somebody was did a talk on that. You can get a lot of was a silicon or something from the moon, and you can build the. You know, build it there. Yeah. I mean, that, that that's that's impressive. I mean, yeah. I mean, just imagine, like you know, let's suppose like Columbus or Mayflower came to the United States, and then they went back to get more money, right? And they said, ah, we're not gonna spend no more money on this. We're good here, right? I mean, just a sense of adventure you gotta have, I think. Oh, uh, you mean if Matt Damon gets to Mars? Exactly. Say, yeah. Well, we're not coming to get you. <laughs> no, no, they're not. No, so, they're not. Well, they'll send another. I mean, eventually we gotta get there. I mean, it's either us or, or Russia, and China. I don't yeah. know whoever wants to get up. There. I think China's going to the moon what, yeah. this year or something. I think or? so too. Yeah. 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 yeah um, so um, Elon Musk offers your seat on the Mars trip. You taking it? Well, my grandmother said never fly on the uh, space shuttle. I, like, <laughs> I said, why not? I mean, I, I, I work inside of it all the time. Um, but, uh, I mean, I'm too old. By the time I get there, it's yeah. probably, I'll probably die. But my my daughter, she's 13, and uh, that could be a possibility. Uh, yeah, I definitely think my kids, my grandkids, are going to do space travel, right? Yeah. And I put it this. If my, if my grandkids aren't like able to travel the moon or something like that, we've, I don't know, I think something's gone wrong scientifically, I think, you know. What's that? I think if my kids don't go to the moon, uh -oh. or my grandkids don't go to do space travel, some kind of space travel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're, something's gone wrong, I think. Well, I think that's going to happen sooner than later. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, I, I like the Virgin Atlantic. You just take off and you get to a level mm -hmm. with what space now? What, 100,000 feet? I think so. Something like that. Yeah. But that's true, too. Like, it's space, then there's like, I guess, a real space, right? Like, well, I mean, I, I had one, one lady I was talking to. She does the, um, where, the, where the jet goes straight down and you feel zero V mm -hmm. and zero Gs. It's, she calls it the vomit flight or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so like when you go deep sea fishing, everybody's like vomiting, I guess. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, and then they just picked the four people to go to. I saw that. Go around the moon, I guess. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah I saw so that, that. Yeah. That was nice. Uh, yeah. Um, so I know that we have a space program, Russia has one, India, Japan. Of all these different countries with space programs, which one do you think is our closest competitor, if that makes any sense? Do you think it's still Russia or? Well, Japan's, I mean, China's coming up fast yeah, they are, now, yeah. on everything. I don't know what they're doing, but they're, they're doing something right. Um, Russia's probably running out of money. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, are we breaking up with the space I don't know. Station. It, it kind of said like, how can we even be partners with them right now, right? Like, right, right. So I don't know. Um, but the um, astronaut at the talk, his wife was actually Russian. Mm. So, <laughs> so, and it, he he said when he goes up to the space station, there's a Russian section and then there's an American section. So, 
Man, so, I don't know. It's just confusing. So um, back to electroengineering, what, what's your future career plans? Like, what do you see for yourself in the future? Um, probably continuing doing what I'm doing. Um, um, I, I picked the microgrid, so I th I'm trying to push my boss more to, toward getting more green projects. Mm. Um, but that's that's in for other projects, like, you know, you need a new switchgear lay layout, so that's something that I'm pushing for. So what does the labor market look for like in engineering? Like, you always feel like there's, like, X amount of plumbers need an X amount of, you know, what industry you pick? Like, there's, like... Hundred thousand jobs for software engineers. Yeah. Like, what's that for engineers? Do you have like a lot of job openings that y'all need to replace pretty soon? I there's actually a big demand for electrical engineers. Like I mentioned, um, we're probably going to have a shortage. Uh, but you know, I, I'm talking to some of the young engineers, and they're like, Mike, you know, they work for like a Boeing, and they're like, I'm I'm a wallflower on the wall. Nobody notices me. I don't get recognition. I mean, the the younger generation, they, they need to be. You know, you're doing a great job, or you whatever you're doing. Let's let, recognize you for that. So that that's important. Um, and if 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 we continue just kind of like you know bringing them in and not training them or just let them sit, I mean, some people are not motivated. They don't know what to do, especially for COVID. You know, they're sitting at home. It's like, well, what do I do? I mean, I, I don't know what not what to do, right? So, um, but we got to motivate these folks. We we do have jobs out there for electrical engineering. Um, but you know, we, we got to make it more enticing, I think. And so I'm guessing electrical engineering, you got to have a pretty good math background, right? Yes. So like, is it like calculus level, trig level, physics, like what kind of math? Or is it all, all, all the above? Yeah, all the above. Physics, okay. uh, electronics, statics, dynamics, uh, thermodynamics. Um, we go through all the, uh, all the basic courses and then you got, you can select after that semiconductors or electronics, um, what do you want to focus on? And like I mentioned, I think the best thing to do is do a co-op. So if you think you've got something, a lot of these companies will hire you for the summer and then you can try it out before you actually kind of, you know, you know, move to Houston and, and shoot up rockets, you know. So because I had a buddy from Houston and they closed down the Apollo and they couldn't sell their house because everybody was selling their house. There's no more Apollo program. So that was an issue there. So he had two houses for a while. So. Yeah. Um, so, so next question. We're talking about running. Is there anything else you do for fun? Any other hobbies you have? Uh, I like going watching movies. I mean, I just kind of stay up abreast with movies. Um, I think that's about it. I mean, <laughs> you only only have so many hours in yeah, a day. Yeah, you do. You do. Um, and so, how long have you been at your current company? Since April last year. April is a pretty pretty new position. Yeah. Yeah. So as electrical engineering, like how, like how often do you like change jobs? Is like you keep a job four or five years, change every two years, or just depends. Well, I see a lot of people. They've been in there for thirty years and they're retiring. In fact, my 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 best man just retired and he's like younger than me. I'm like, Rich, I'm just getting started. <laughs> he, he's retiring. He he worked for Harris Antennas. Um, and he he kind of liked what he was doing. Well, he was like in the he me and him were lab partners and uh, he he would like do all this stuff really nice and he got to a point in his career as an electrical engineer that if he his job would level off instead of going up so he had to <clears throat> he had to go into project management and uh you know you know be a spokesman for the for the group how often do people like start a like have a government job then private enterprise like or do people just like 
start a government, stay in government the whole career, or private, or you, or you can switch it back and forth? So I think if you went to government, you'd probably stay with the government because it, it, it's such it's such a lucrative job, and it, it's it. I'm, I'm not going to say it's easy, but um, there's less pressure in the real world. I like pressure. I, I mean, that's how I get motivated. Um, you know, design deadlines. Um, but some folks they really like the security of a government job. Um, so if that's you, I mean, I think. There's, there's some place, I think my wife took it here, you do a survey and they kind of tell you what you should be. And she found out she was supposed to be a, she's not a, a designer, she's more of a project manager. So that's what she's doing now is project management. Okay. And she's loving it. I mean, she, she's, you know, working with the DOT and, uh, um, you know, she gives her opinion. I mean, she's a PhD and she does all these uh, great um uh, she used to do bridges. Um, we, we actually came here from Chicago because of the 520 bridge, and she worked on the 520 bridge. So, yes, Mike. So, like, neither one of us are spring chickens anymore, right? Right. Twenty ones in a rear mirror. Can you talk some about how, like, at your age, you still have all this focus, all this energy? Like, you're still doing things done. Well, I think I was born that way. I mean, I, you either have that motivation or not. Um, so I'm <laughs> actually chasing my wife trying to get to her level but and uh, you know what do i need to do that i mean uh, i mean we have our kids they're, they're almost out of high school now but um i mean to me I, I i wake up every day like it's my last right so i'm gonna live it to, to the fullest um and then have my long-term short-term and medium-range goals um and, and one of my goals now is to you know to build the, my company now i'm i'm the only electrical engineer in the company so i want to you know, grow that um, department and um, it's mechanical, electrical, and plumbing, um, and then move up, move up the, f the food chain there. So, so for for everything you're doing, like your your running, your your volunteer role, your job, on a day to day basis, how do you determine that you're you're being a success? Like you're adding a value, like. Well, I mean, when we started off, like the Boston Marathon, they started with, what, 21 runners, right? So as we increase, I mean, COVID kind of set us back. I mean, we were brand new. In fact, the reason why I did the running club, uh, running is, is to give my son a job. So <laughs> and it, it, that didn't work out. So uh, I'm so invested in it now. Basically, I'm trying to connect. The, the first race we had was called Sigma 6K because I worked for Sigma 6. And I, I just saw... Um, you know, a lot of overweight people. I'm like, well, can we motivate them? I mean, it turned out that they don't want to run at all. <laughs> but I mean, I, this, the, the former CEO died. And I'm like, well, maybe we're eating too many pizzas or something. Uh, I mean, to me, that was, uh, you know, like I said, I, I'm, I give back. I was part of the Greater Bellingham Running Club and uh, working with sponsorship. But uh, you know, I used to always take, take, take. I go to all these races, take all the food. I know I got some experience. I can help out some of the younger folks. I mean, a lot of this is volunteer. Um, it's all fun and it, it, it keeping people uh, healthy. I think that was that's one of my my goals. Um, but I try to mix it all together. I, I try to get some of the professionals that I work with in electrical engineer to come out to the races. So I'm kind of like trying to motivate them to, you know, become more community related. Um, I have network night with the Mariners, uh, trying to get folks out there for that. Trying try to figure out what they, what do they want? How do we keep them active? Um, speakers, pizzas, that, that's, that all works. 
So, Mike, you said earlier about how far you ran. Is there a distance even farther that you want to run? Like, like bucket list, like I want to run 100 miles in one day or something, <laughs> you know, something yeah. like that? Yes, exactly. On my bucket list is the 100-mile run. So I don't know if I can do it in one day, but there's a lot of races. In fact, I have people come on that actually do these races, and they said you got to respect respect the distance, just like people that want to do a, a Boston Marathon in, in one week. you got to build up. And it just didn't come overnight. And a lot of the, a lot of people I interviewed, I interviewed for the food bank to, to generate money. So I get these speakers. They come on at, at no cost, like Bill Rogers. He called me the day before. I'm like, Bill Rogers, four-time uh, winner of the Boston Marathon. I'm like, holy cow, this is Bob. In fact, I ran against him in, in Tampa, right? And I passed him. And then he passed me back. And then I finished. And then I hear this crowd and, and I said, Bill, what happened there? He says, well, I took a wrong turn. <laughs> so, but, um, um, so, I mean, that, that's what motivates me. Okay. Um, do, you, do you have like any professional mentors? Professional mentors? Um, so I, I work with the, the folks in the industry. I mean, if I have issues, I kind of reach out to like Sanjay, you know, what, what would you do in this case? So I have a lot of, um, Contacts, I guess you say, um, and then you know if something doesn't work, you know what what you do in the past. So it's more like engineer engineer peers. Um, when I was working at um, one of the Seattle companies, uh, my boss was my mentor, so I was kind of following him. He was an uh, expert in bridge design for electrical, so movable bridges. Uh, so I kind of tailed tailed along with him because we were doing projects here that uh, had electrical involved. He was actually doing projects all over the country. Um, but that that's what motivates me because if I see something I like, I want to want more of those. So you kind of hang out with that guy a little bit more. And the second part of the question, probably more important, like who are you mentoring? Okay, so, um, you know, a lot of the young guys, they, they come to me and say, especially for job um, career advancement. Well, you know, what what do I do, Mike? I mean, I'm like I said, I'm a wallfire, uh, wallflower. You know, wh so I try to talk to them and figure out well, what what do you what are you trying to do? What are you trying to what do you want? You know, do you want to write papers? Do you want to be, you know, praised? Um, if you don't like the job, like the Navy, it was kind of like a, you know, you go to work, you get a paycheck. I mean, but is that motivating? I mean, I mean to me. Um, like I said, I'm a more industry type, um, and then Boeing people—they're so—they—they—they they, uh, they are um, indoctrinated on a certain way of doing things, and it's kind of hard for them to change sometimes. So, um, but I have friends on both sides of the, you know, either government or, or industry. So, Mike, you mentioned bridges, right? So I could be wrong about this again, but it's like the infrastructure in the United States is like horrible, right? Yeah. Like you hear about bridges failing tests. Roads having potholes, like stuff being like not done since the 1930s. Yeah. Why has infrastructure like gone to shit, so to speak, right? And you look at other countries like China, Japan, like like example, I think China or Europe has a train that goes from like London to Berlin, like an hour and a half, right? Of course, I'm making yeah. that up, right? Yeah. And it takes like six days to go from Seattle to LA, right? Like, is this government bureaucracy, or what do you think the challenge is? Well, we do have the high speed train from what LA to Las Vegas is. It was in the works. I think they they just canceled that project for some reason. Um, like special interest, um, especially here, light rail. I mean, one of my coworkers was saying is like, Mike, only five percent of the 
population uses the light rail. Why are we spending half the budget on the light rail? I mean, it's, that's a very expensive. But I think in the long run, if we're going to be like China or one of the, the top um, industries, um, you need that 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 connection. I mean, folks can come in from any, any city and, and don't, you know, like Singapore, they get you to the last mile. They even have cars yeah. that, that uh, bring you right to your house. And even though only 5% of people use the light rail, that's 5% of the people don't have the cars on the road, right? Right. And maybe the link rail actually went in more places, more people to use it, right? That's correct. I mean, that's my opinion on that. Um, yeah, I just, I just think a challenge. You all the time, you know, I'm not going to vote for light rail or, or... I think a few years ago, South San Trans had some kind of ballot initiative. Yeah. A lot of people were like, I don't use the light rail. I don't use a bus. I'm going to go for you, right? You got to right. explain, well, these other people do. If you say no, they're going to be on the car and your, your community's being worse than it is, right? A lot of people can't get rid of their own bubble, I don't think, you know, and see the good of everything. And another thing, too, like, Seattle has a pretty good, like, public transit system and compared to other places, right? Like, you compare to us, like, Austin, Texas, Houston, Texas, Dallas, Texas, like, nowhere close. But, like, if you compare Seattle, like, Seoul, Korea, or anywhere in Europe, it's it's not even close, right? It's, like, mm. we're so far behind. Yeah, it, it depends on what the people want. I think yeah. um, special interest. I mean, the thing is, you got to go, you got to vote. I mean, mm-hmm. if you don't, like, <laughs> like my wife doesn't vote. I'm like, well, I mean, I'm sorry, you didn't vote. So yeah, yeah. Well, at least take a stance, uh, one way or the other. So you mentioned special interests. I'm guessing are there like a lot of like electrical engineering lobbyists or special interest groups or lobbyists you want to call it in, in D.C. trying to influence like legislations all that kind of stuff. Uh, yes, we have uh, um, somebody in IEEE in D.C. working full-time doing that, and he has a team. So, um, you know, bills that are passed, um, we, we kind of, kind of, we get a ballot for us to basically, well, get a say or get out there and, and make a difference, especially about the PE licenses. Mm-hmm. I think there was an initiative on that. Um, but, yeah, we got uh, somebody in D.C., um, Working with um, our, our senators too um, in there. And y'all do that at, at, at the, also the state levels? Uh, state levels. I'd imagine you had someone like the state legislators or lobbying. Well, there, there was a big issue in in, um, in California. It's called the um, job, job Shop or something. What is it? I think um, I know what you're talking about. Um, but he was trying to make me push to get him on the program, but he never came on the program. I'm like, well, you. You gotta, <laughs> you gotta get out there so you can push that. I mean, it's like Uber, I guess. They're, they're not treated as employees. Yeah. And he's doing like these job shop jobs, like per job. He doesn't work for a company. He works on okay. himself. And I guess it, it, he wants to hire folks. And does he hire them as employees or, or contractors? And, contractors. Yeah. yeah. So that's a big issue. So there's a big push for the, that bill. Um, and he got our senator from, well, not our senator, our IEEE folk from uh, D.C. To, to put a, a word in for that California. And I, I don't know which way it went, but I haven't followed that. Because I'm, I'm not into that industry. I, that's why I say if you want to push it, I'm glad to you know, hear your voice. But uh-huh. he, I don't know why he didn't want to come out. Maybe he's shy or something. Yeah, who knows. So if you had the power... To make any change, like what what thing do you want to change in your, in your industry? Change. Mm. That's a tough question. I, I, I don't know the answer. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, any like uh, interesting tech 
that you know about that's coming up in the in the industry? Like ChatGPT? I mean, if I think that's engineering. I think so. I mean, I think it crosses all, all borders, but uh, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, you can ask this, this uh, artificial intelligence, you know, what's what's the answer to my, what's the diagnosis? Mm -hmm. um, I think that there's a lot of research going on there. We work with a couple of the health companies uh, locally, and I think that's going to take off really good. So do you see the day comes when like AI and robots take everything over? Like, you know, the, like the robots <laughs> are doing all the engineering, AI is doing everything, and then we're just like on like, I don't know, some kind of universal basic income, not doing anything, and the robots are doing anything. I think so. I, I would. I would agree. I mean, I, I don't see any reason why. Um, why, if if we come up with a technology that works, and I mean, the thing is, they're not eliminating our jobs. We'll be more maintaining them. Yeah. Um, we'll be watching them, but they're twenty four seven. I mean, yeah. That, is that the same thing? By example, like a if you have like a lineman who like goes fix electrical wires in a storm, yeah. Like why if there's somebody's human life, you just send a robot or a drone to do it, right? Exactly. But of course, I know they make damn good money, right? Doing that, right? So then, oh yeah, you know, make eighty, ninety, hundred thousand dollars a year being an electrical lineman. Like then, like what do you do? Like how do you replace the income, right? Well, I think it, a lot of them just get phased out. The, the new stuff's coming in AI or robotics. Uh, I think that's the way it's going to go. So instead of, like you said, the coal people, they kind of get, I mean, if they're mid-career, they get cut off in half. Well, they got to get retrained, whatever yeah. they have to do. Um, I'm, I'm sure there's programs Well, I'm there. just hoping Skynet is not on the way. Skynet, yeah. Hopefully that's not on the way, right? Well, I mean, we, um, I don't know if you've been following cybersecurity, but yeah. there's a, a new um, thing coming out. There's not ones and zeros anymore. It's going to be like infinite amount. So it's like, how do you detect, Yeah, you know, you're not following ones and zeros anymore. So it's called, um, what's it called? Cyber, cybersecurity. Um, forgot what it was called, but I mean, we had guy, one talk, guy talk about it. For, he works for the, uh, the government and he's saying, well, we're training up now because in yeah. five years it's going to come online and uh, we want to be prepared. So, I mean, right now we're getting, you know, with all those cyber hacks and stuff. You know, you see cities shutting down, companies yeah. getting shut down. It was down. called like some kind of cyber ransom. You got to pay the ransomware. Ransom, yeah, we had a guy talk on that. And which levels are they coming in at? The, at the transmission level, the physical level? And then how many companies out there or organizations have like had like that have got hacked, but they don't tell us, right? Because either uh, they don't want people to know or, you know. Well, like you see, um, six months later, then they like um, they they announce it. Say, oh, we got hacked six months ago. Well, wh why didn't you tell me now? Yeah, my inf information is probably all over the wo mm -hmm. world now. So, I know. Um, and like, like you hear, like, and no one's safe. I hear like Wendy's, Target, like national banks, U.S. government, Pentagon. Yeah. Like, yeah. if the Pentagon got hacked, like, like what chance does anyone else have, right? To keep their stuff secure. Exactly. Well, I mean, look at the guy just this weekend. He just kind of put all the oh, yeah. stuff on social media. Yeah, put on the Discord, sort of 20 yard dude. So, you hear the story about that? Supposedly, like, although it wasn't like no top secret stuff, like he was in this Discord server, right? And like a bunch of, bunch of like basically like nerds like playing like video games. Yeah. And he started talking trash. And the guy, Air Force guy, supposedly said, Well, I'm the Air Force, I have, I have access to top secrets, right? Yeah. Like, no, you don't. Get the F out of here. You're bullshitting. And he posted all on the Discord server, right? Oh. To prove they had access to this type of security. But suppose I was no, like, trying to get back, trying to set up China or anything malicious. Uh -huh. He was just trying to, like, you know, 
be the super nerd to prove that he had access to all this data, right? Oh, that's weird. Yeah, now his life is probably like after the rest of his life, probably, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That's crazy. So. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, uh, Snowden was the same way. I, yeah. I, no, Snowden wasn't the same way. He he had a vendetta, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, he was totally different. Yeah. But how how do you how do you um, how do you talk to a guy? I mean, you could be a normal person, and how would how, how do you get inside the brain? You know. And of course, somebody would say like, "What is twenty year old kid? I mean, he's a man that was serving the country. So twenty one year old guy, yeah. access to all these top level secrets, right?" I think it was only been in the Air Force, not even like like maybe a year, right? Year or two, right? So he's not like he was like a lieutenant colonel, twenty years experience. He's like pretty pretty much brand new Air Force access yeah. to all this top level stuff, right? You would think there'd be some kind of like access controls or something, you know? Well, I, I used to do top secret at the space center, and and it's the need to know. You don't get to have every access yeah. to everything. So what he had access to is what he was working on. Yeah, and, yeah, you're and, right. And he didn't have. Like Snowden, I don't know. He had like everything. Yeah. Uh, and like Snowden was like the head of the CIA. All the information oh, yeah, that yeah, guy yeah, had, yeah. right? So he probably had high top secret level. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. You released everything. Yeah. 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 So this kid, like, supposedly just like you know, want to be a super nerd and prove like, no, I really have access to it, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're doing that now in in uh, Tacoma, right? You can steal a car with your cell phone. Oh yeah, I saw that. Yeah. So the challenges, yeah. or the ice challenge, and yeah. people were dying, or the you know, you you drink your water and then you die. You know, that, I mean, <laughs> that's social media. I mean, that's a whole different issue. Yeah. So speaking of social media, how do you, how do you, how do y'all use social media? Like, you know, cause a lot of these like young kids come up there on TikTok, Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you, how, do y'all use social media kind of way to entice these kids or these people to become electric engineering? So um, I, m- me personally, I do the Zoom network, um, Teams, um, I, I, IEEE has a great website, so I've been using that and I can make, I can make flyers, I can make, um, um, invitations, which is a good platform, which if somebody else doesn't have that, like somebody from California, I said, Mike, I'd like to join or how, how do I make my own consultant network? So I said, yeah, I'll teach you. And, but it kind of died. I mean, it takes a lot of time. It does. Yeah, and, it does. And, and I know it, so I can train these folks. Yeah. I mean, that's what I tried to to tell these people, if you want to do it, I'll help you. I mean, I'll get you going. Um, like my boss just joined the consortium network. I mean, does he realize how much work that is? I'm like, <laughs> uh, I hope you understand how much work that is. Um, but it could have a good um, payback too. So so back to the cruise in October, right? Can you talk some more about that? Like um, what kind of speakers you're going to have? Like how many days is it going to be? And yeah. what, like how people sign up, all, all that kind of stuff. Okay, so um, it's in conjunction with the 50-year IEEE USA. Uh, They just wanted to do something different. Um, Like I mentioned, I do conferences. So the first thing I did is I knew the whole ship is not IEEE. So I knew I could get a room to do a conference. So I I advertised it, (laughs) and the word got out, and everybody... My guy from Seattle put a good word in for me and says, Mike's on board. He's good. The IEEE president, he's like, you know, I have him as a speaker all the time. So, so I'm on board now. So anybody can register for it. And um, we're having, to me, I think I can have speakers for four days. And, uh, you know, if they want to get on, all I said, it's a free co- conference. If All you have to do is get on board. Um, I'm trying to raise some money for some, some of the uh, paid speakers, like the mayor of Bellevue. I'm trying to get her on. Uh, but it's it's exciting because um, it's a it's a huge conference room on board and we got it for free and um, 
Uh, it'll be a good platform. So if you say free, the tickets for actually cruise are free? No, you got to get on the boat. Okay, so yeah. you have to pay, like, if someone flew, they have to pay for the ticket from here to, to Florida, right? and then pay for the, the cruise ticket. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I, th I think it's a good deal. I mean, because you, I'm getting these top brain, brain folks on board, good connection, CEO, decision makers. And if you can have the, those guys here for, yeah. <laughs> for, and, and, for a week. And, and what are they going to do? You're, you're on the boat, right? So they well, got to listen to you. Well, one of the guys that went up in the first, um, I think it's uh, Bezos space flight, he's in Gig Harbor. He wanted he wanted me to fly him back afterwards after he spoke. I'm like, oh, man, that's that's kind of expensive. Yeah. You know, he would speak for one day. He didn't want to stay for four days, you know. But they're going out to the Bahamas. They got a, a, a private island. Um, it, it seems like a, a really good deal. Uh, I used to, when I was in C Canaveral, I used to go out there on the Sea Escape all the time. And it's, it's just a fun trip, uh, lots of food. And in fact, if you go with folks that you know, uh, even better. So I think it's gonna be a great time. And so for the four days, it's like, it's like you have something to schedule, like, like nine to five each of those days or? Well, I mean, to me, if if nobody's nobody's there, I I got the conference room. Mm -hmm. They do have um, they call them lightning rounds, which is a half hour, um, three half hour presentations. I just gotta let them have the conference room. So these are these guys that work for the I IEEE, so they put it on, and I like I mentioned, I hijacked the space, so I'm in. They, they they accepted me, and I'm I got a ton of speakers coming in, and I, I think it's just going to be a, a great time. Because uh, I mean, it, it, like Las Vegas is going to be a great time because we get all the speakers coming in the day before. We're going to have a speaker meeting. Uh, because like like I mentioned, I, my 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 uh, conference is a fast pace. I don't if somebody's uh, you know. If, we had one speaker. <laughs> she was talking to the guy on how to do the slides. By the time he got it going, 20 minutes, you know, I had to cut him off. I said, yeah. Marion, we'll invite you back uh, you know, another time so you can do a full pre presentation. But some of these, they're very technical. And a lot of folks, they, they spend a lot of time to get that 20 minutes in. And it, it, and we do a lot of advertising uh, for them, too. I kind of publish them, promote them. Uh, and then we have a salute to the speakers at the end when we put a presentation together and, and put it online. So I think it's a win-win for, for everybody. Everybody's getting connected. Um, my boss will be there, so he's he's going to make uh, you know connections and um, you know who do you want to work with. It's good to see folks outside yeah. COVID. I mean, you you, you kind of get sick of the uh, the Zoom meetings. Yeah, you, you want. do. I said my boss says, well, can we can we can we Zoom? when I'm at the conference next week, right? Yeah. I'm like, well, we can Zoom him right now. We yeah. don't have to wait. Yeah. So, but so he, he, I, I said, we got to go shake some hands. I yeah. mean, and he agrees with me. Zoom's we, nice, but man, it's just about being in person, you know? Yeah, we got to, I mean, it's good seeing you. I yeah. mean, I always see you on, on online and. Yeah. Uh, so Mike, uh, it's not like a lot of the tokens that work for the government or private corporations. How often, is there any um, value in electrical engineering like starting their own company, own startups? Yes, definitely. I see a lot of uh, engineers that actually um, um, work for the industry and then they open their own business, especially like Microsoft. So, because um, I think we just had one guy, he, he's making a computer chip that's faster than everything on the industry. I'm like, wow, that's great. Yeah, let's hear your story. So, <laughs> so everybody's like inquiring and then I guess they kind of ran into a, I mean, if, if you make that claim, then let's see it. I mean, I mean, you don't have to show all the deals. You yeah. just got to kind of give us the general overview. Uh, I guess they're looking for funding too, so. Um, 
But a lot of that stuff is proprietary, like all these fusion things. Like the, we're going to do the fusion tour here. Um, they can give us the overview, but the, the details is. Um, I'm sure that they have patents, all that kind of stuff on it, right? They have patents too, yeah. So um, patent pending and patents. In fact, in in um, Las Vegas, we got a patent attorney flying down from Seattle. So I had okay. him on the show, and now he's going to do a presentation. I get to meet him in person. <laughs> Even though we're in Seattle, I never get to see him. You don't meet him in person in Las Vegas. That's crazy. <laughs> but I mean, I, I was trying to get the fusion guy. He's going to talk in Las Vegas. I was trying to get him here to talk, and he, he, he no show. You know, I mean, we had him on the on the on the screen, but I guess you know sometimes there's excitement. You get get to Las Vegas, a lot of folks, um, or just a venue where you know a lot of folks get get together and you, you know kind of trade information, and you know it's probably faster than doing it on in, on the uh, Zoom call or something. So where in Vegas is your, your conference going to be at? Like, is it going to be on the Strip, the Fremont, or no, South Hill? Strip? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we got we got a lot of things planned. Uh, it should be exciting. So, like I said, fast paced. We got three rooms going. Uh, board room. We're going to have the microgrid consortium uh, meeting, and then the other two we have two tracks going. Mm -hmm. And it's a technical, and it's all mixed up. So. I hope, you know, I hope you like excitement because it could go from electronics and go from payloads, uh -huh. health electronics, um, microgrids, all, all, and it's 20, 20 minutes. So if, if you don't like a speaker, you can wait 20 minutes yeah. and get another one coming on. So, so when you do these conferences, like, do you videotape it and record all this stuff so you can post it out later? So uh, online, we, we, we videotape it. Okay. Um, the Seattle one, I, I videotaped it. Um, I mean, you, you got the speaker, and I, I don't know how. I, I mean, I posted it online, mm -hmm. so I, I don't know if, if folks want to hear that. But when you do it on the Zoom, it's, it, it's you get you get more face, you, yeah. you get more questions, you can put the two people together. Uh, it's just a, a lot better um, scenario. So, so I kind of asked you this question already. Yeah. But let's suppose there's someone out there they're in college, they're electrical engineer major, they're junior senior, getting ready to graduate, and they want to come work with you, right? Yeah. What would they need to do to reach out to you, convince you that they're worth the chance? Um, so one, one we got to have a job available. I mean, we we're, we're growing company now, so as I give my boss more leads, he he can take on bigger projects. And I, I think he's on board with growing the company, not just having me as the single electrical engineer. Uh, like I mentioned, we, we get a young engineer coming on on Monday, uh, starting the starting with us. Um, we're totally remote, so uh, nobody. We have an office here, right down the street in Bellevue, um, but you know, the, the COVID kind of changed it. Pushed. I was always uh, remote with Siemens, so I used to do all my work from the house. So this was nothing new to me. I didn't lose a beat. Um, but um, so resume. What kind of senior project you did? Kind of, kind of. Uh, you know, we I used to work at the space uh, space center, and they they said, well, come up with an idea, ask them how to change a tire, and if they have that engineering thought, you know, you know, you just change the tire. No, you 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 get you get out the jack. You you do there's, safe. A, there's a process. There's a process. So if they can think like an engineer, uh, they're probably halfway there. <laughs> okay. So if they like learning, I mean, sometimes they want to do it themselves, but if they have uh, aggression or they excitement to, 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 to do the work, I think that's half the battle. Is there some type of like really big, bodacious electric, electric engineering project out there that someone's working on? Yes. <laughs> um, so um, 
there's R&D, a lot of R&D folks, they're, they're coming up with new ideas, you know, trying to beat the competition. Um, you know, uh, you know, Houston Civic Center or something brand new, like um, they did the, uh, you know, Seahawk Stadium. Um, that's always excitement. Um, my wife started off with a company called Alfred Benish, and they did all these, you know, showcase bridges. Mm -hmm. You know, folks like that because they're in the news. Um, some folks just like the ordinary bridge. I mean, I'm working a bridge. What do I need? Structural stuff. Uh, to do, I know they're putting in the new I five bridge between Oregon and Washington, so that's that probably excitement. Um, There's something I was wanting to know, right? Like these bridges, like like in the water, right? In the in, like in the ocean or the yeah. seas, the lakes. Like, how does it get built? Like, how do those like beams go into the water? Like, do you have deep sea divers going and building? Like, how does it actually work? I always wanted to know about that. Well, I'm not a structural engineer. You probably have to ask my wife, but I think they have divers there. Okay. Um, as you know, I don't know if you know, the I-90 bridge, when it was being built, it sunk. I don't know that. Okay, so so the, the first one, sunk. I mean, these are pontoons, right? I mean, just like a ship. How can something weigh so much and they put it on water? Well, it displaces the water, right? Um, and then, um, as you know, the... Um, the 520 bridge is not, it's a floating bridge, right? So there's no um, beams there, but um, I think it's just like these oil rigs where they put them in, they, they actually drill down and have to take out the soil. And then, you know, I think they put cement in there actually and it hardens somehow. But it, it, like you said, it's an engineering process and yeah. some folks like that, so. And so electrical engineering, is that a, pretty much a, a new, new, um, what are looking for? New career field? How long has that, has that oh, been electrical around? has been around forever, right? Since electricity, well, okay. who invented that? Thomas Edison <laughs> with the light bulb or yeah. something? Benjamin Franklin or something? Ben Benjamin Franklin. So then, okay. Um, but it's a safety hazard too. So um, five milliamps, wet palm could kill you, mm -hmm. right? It's not the voltage that can kill you, it's the current. So um, we do a lot of safety precautions, um, you know, make, make sure the the switch is off, lock it out, because if, if you don't lock it out, Joe Blow or your coworker will put it on. So, yeah. oh, somebody shut this off. And then you, the guy's working on something electrical and then he gets you know electrocuted. Uh, we did have a three mile line um, wire, right? So we disconnected it and the new guy grabbed the two and he got electrocuted. So, mm. so even a, a, a line, it has inductance in it, which still has a current. So just like your TV, remember the old days? Well, it's it's unplugged, mom. And you stick your finger, it's, <laughs> it, it holds a charge, so. And then when it goes across your heart, I mean, if it goes through here, then you're okay. But if it goes across your heart, because when you grab, it's called the right hand rule, you only grab. Electricians, they always put their hand behind their back when they touch stuff, because you want it to go this way, not, way. not across not your cross. heart. Yeah, so. So Mike, is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't or anything else you want to talk about? Mm. So I think you hit it. Uh, running, IEEE, career. I mean, I think that's about it. Okay. Um, before we get out of here, can you, well, first of all, can you give us your social media or so people reach out to you? Um, let's see, which one? Like um, microgridconsortium.com? Yeah, that one or your LinkedIn profiles or... Mike Brisboy at uh, 
<laughs> well, that's funny that you say that. Um, I had one guy as a sponsor. He says, you know, do I just pay Pallia to Mike Brisboy? I said, yeah, go ahead. And I said, well, where'd it go? Well, I, I gave it to Mike Brisboy at PayPal. Yeah. <laughs> There's a million Mike Brisboys out there. Yeah. Uh, so I'll follow your link to social media in the show notes. Okay, sure. Yeah. And um, can you give us any last minute advice or wisdom or anything you want to talk about? Uh, that's about it. I think you hit them all. Cool. All right. So, Mike, thanks for being here today. I really appreciate it. Okay, thank you. And to our listeners, thank you for time as well. And remember to be great every day. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jason Kavnis Experience. Be sure to connect with us across social media at Kavnis HR. Thank you, and remember to be great every day. You know,